It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on TogiNet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author. And not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget. Hello there, everyone, and thank you for being with me today. Just a little, you know, a little kind of a little spoiler alert here. Today's show is going to be about one of the darker sides of relationships. And that's what happens if you are in an an abusive, battering relationship, if you are in a relationship that is toxic for you. And for the majority of people, it is kind of like the last thing that they thought they would ever be in. And it's not just women, it's not just men, it's both. Admittedly, women are, you know, I think it's 85% of those who are dealing with forms of abuse are women. And, you know, we can use the terms of domestic violence or, you know, abuse. I mean, because here's the thing, just because someone is not physically hitting someone does not mean that it isn't an abusive relationship. Another thing that people have to be aware of is there's also very abusive relationships in the form of stalking. And I happen to live in Los Angeles area, and I can assure you that there are many friends of mine, too many for me to you know go into detail about, but a number of my friends have been victims of stalkers. And one of the things that people will often say is, you know, what am I, how am I I being responsible for bringing this in? Well, chances are you aren't. And I'll just give you an example of of some of them. So I'm going to talk about how do you know that it is an abusive relationship? What are some of your solutions? What are some of the solutions that these women and these men did? And also, how can you help others? And sometimes people are ready to be helped. Sometimes they're not. And just as an example, some of the stats that I was just reading, on average, a woman leaves an abusive relationship seven times before she leaves for good. Now, that's on average. And we'll go into, you know, why people stay and what can be ways that they can move themselves away and distance themselves. But this is, this is not an an easy thing for anyone 
typically to deal with. And the thing of someone saying, oh, well, I love you so much, that's why I'm doing this. Uh, listen, the BS meter's going off really loud and clear on this one. If anyone ever says that, you make a point of hitting your BS meter and telling them straight to their face, you're full of it. And the... Uh, because here's the thing uh, of using that. That is, that's like a form of mental coercion. And one of the big things that often happens for many people, many women who are in abusive relationships, is that the self-esteem, their self-esteem has been so eroded that it's almost like non-existent. And what most abusers do and the reason I'm having this conversation is because this is happening in my own family in a way I never, ever, ever expected. And we are grappling with what can we do? And there's, we've tried a number of different things, but first I'm just going to go through, you know, some things. If, if you're dealing with someone in a dating relationship and they start with the stalking thing, uh, where are you? What have you been doing? The, and here's what most abusers do. They isolate. They isolate you and they take you away. They take someone away from their support, from their family, from those who love them, and they cut off communication. And I actually had that happen, the beginning of that happen with an individual and I was like, he would constantly say, well, I, I just, it just needs to be just you and me. And I said, well, look, but I have my, you know, friends and things. But it, it, thinking that someone, there are so many really smart women who are in these kinds of relationships. Uh, honestly, it, it, it's quite scary. And it's not something of, you know, I love you so much. It really is just unmitigated perpetration of control and Often there's something, you know, in this person's background of their own uh, lack of feeling about, you know, their own self-confidence or their own self-esteem. So they then use this to control someone else. Now, just because someone is, um, has been, let's say someone's been um, abused as a child, does that mean they're going to abuse themselves? No. No, I mean, I think the figure's 30%. I, I don't think um, when, I, when I looked at, when I was reading some of the um, other statistics, it's just because someone goes through this, it does not mean they themselves will be abusers. But a good percentage of men who are abusers, they themselves also were in a home that was abusive. And is there the emotional impact? Hello, thank you. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to go and I'm going to give you some examples of things that happened that I'm aware of for people in abusive relationships that, that came out of left field, the stalking type of things that happen. One of them is a girlfriend of mine was at a coffee shop. Um, you know, she's a very good-looking actress, didn't know this person, had no idea who they were, and all of a sudden, this person started stalking them. And I understand, they don't even know who they are. And it literally necessitated 
her moving, quitting where she was working, doing a number of things just to keep herself safe. I have another girlfriend who, at the time, I believe she was at Notre Dame, and she was finishing, I think she was finishing her MBA, and her car broke down on a roadway, and had the, the tire was being, had to be fixed. She drove on, and off she went. Well, the person who saw her when she was on the side of the road started stalking her to the point she literally had to lie in the bottom of the car driving out of her apartment. Her roommate had to drive out and she would be in, you know, like the back of the car lying down so this person could not see her. Now, here's the really chilling thing that when, and finally she said, that's it. I cannot stay here. Um, this is just escalating. She literally moved across the country to get away from this guy. And the officer, police officer, and she had filed, you know, like restraining order and stuff. Finally, the, and the police officer was not supposed to tell her this, but the officer said, um, it is a good thing you're moving. He killed the last woman. Now, if that doesn't make your blood run cold, then do you think they could have told her that? I mean, hell Yeah. I mean, what kind of bullshit is it that they don't even come and take someone out of the play and have to make it be, they'll say, oh, well, we'll take a restraining order. The majority of women who get killed are killed by someone they know or killed by an ex, and it is invariably after the escalation of something like this and often when there's a restraining order. So if someone is going through this, or you are, please ask someone for help. One of the reasons that people don't talk about this is because there's, you know, it's, it's the embarrassment of it. It's the shame of it. And, you know, how could I be so stupid? How could I let myself go this? This is something, I'm going to read an example here that, you know, most people enter a relationship for love. And that emotion does not simply disappear in abusive relationships. Most women want the violence to end, but love their partner and want the relationship. Now, according to G.L. Bundau, a South Carolina physician, I know that when I took my marriage vows, I meant for better or worse. This physician accepted the abuse, and it wasn't until the day that the bracket, until death do us part, section of her wedding vow became a frightening reality that she was motivated to leave the relationship. So it often isn't until there is something very dramatic, and I will talk about um, someone who I uh, spoke with earlier today who also went through, and she said, you know, her concern was that she, you know, what am I bringing in? What is it? And it wasn't her. Now, here's the thing. Someone can be vulnerable, um, other things can create vulnerability, drugs, alcohol. Um, it could be that, you know, someone preys on someone feeling that they have to behave a particular way. You must remain in the marriage. Um, really, no one must remain in anything if something is, is being abusive. So um, I'm, I'm more, I was looking at this and speaking to other people and going, you know, this is something that I volunteered on at a home for women with uh, their children 
women who were homeless and victims of this. And the things that they had to put into place to keep these women safe was staggering, absolutely staggering. So today we're going to be talking about if you are in a not great relationship, if you are looking at is this an okay relationship, we're going to touch on those points. And I want everyone to have a relationship that works for them and makes them feel good. And these relationships do not. So please stay with me. We'll come back and talk more, some more examples and some more things that you could do. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. the Toginet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Uh, one of the um, examples I'll also share with you is a girlfriend of mine who is an HLN anchor. 
um, previously uh, have been doing things with uh, CNN. And her name is Christy Paul. And I met Christy when she was in Arizona. And she'd come over to interview me. And she had been married, I think, a year, a year and a half. Now, understand, this woman is stunningly gorgeous. She is on air. She's interviewing. And the next time I spoke with her, she was telling me the things that she had gone through with, and she, she would ask me, she said, how do I know when to stay in a relationship? Now, let me give you a little backstory. Christy is a, a very, you know, she has a very devout faith. And when she was dealing with all of the stuff that was happening, she has written a book entitled Love Isn't Supposed to Hurt about this. And so th- I'll just read you the, the thing that's coming up on Amazon. Like millions of other women, HLN anchor Christy Paul blamed herself for the emotional abuse heaped on her by her first husband, whose violent, profanity-laced tirades left her feeling as though she had no value, no self-worth, and nowhere to turn for help. Then one day, when Christy was taking refuge in a church parking lot, the verse, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, popped into her head. In that moment, she realized she did have some place to turn after all. So holding fast to her Christian faith, Christy began the arduous process of rebuilding her self-image and regaining control of her life. Now, I'll stitch in a little bit of the backstory that I'm aware of. Her first husband was the on-air anchor at the TV station. And after they got married, Christy's star started rising like there was no tomorrow. And he started drinking more and started the screaming and the yelling. And finally, you know, as she said, I finally hit my knees and that was it. And at that moment, she made that, but she said it was corrosive to her soul just corrosive and here she is bright accomplished and this is there in her life now it's not a mirroring of her it is of him and the fact that her you know she is becoming more powerful and he was losing his power it was eroding the 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 part where it talks about rebuilding her life As she moved out, the weekend that she moved out, and she was away for the weekend with friends, visiting another city while he was moving his stuff out of their apartment. She was with friends. It was a crazy rainstorm. There was a fountain that was there. There was a whole group of people. And she jumped into the fountain. It was kind of like this crazy thing that she was doing. And this, the man who was there at the same time, jumped into the fountain and started dancing with her. Well, that man became her second husband. And they're probably, they now have three beautiful daughters. He is raising the children. As Christy said, we made our choice that we were going to raise our children with our values. So we did not want to have both of us being, you know, um, working and having someone else raise our children. So her her husband is the one who is at home the majority of times with the girls. But the important thing that I think people have to get to is there is 
a breaking point for most people, there is a straw. There is a straw on that camel's back. And for some women, you know, so for Christy, originally she was like, I can't change this, my religious beliefs, you know, I, you know, this is God's plan. I'm, you know, supposed to stay in this. And she said, then she realized love isn't supposed to hurt and God does not want me to hurt. So, you know, we also have, you know, the, so the reasons that many people will stay. So again, Christy's book is love isn't supposed to hurt and it's good. It's something that if you have to get this or you get this for someone else and to it may be an eye-opener to the fact that, you know, I need to I need to move on something or I see that there's something else going here. Many times people will not ask for help because they, they do not reach out because things are so bad. Um, I have seen and know of women who started to wear very long um, shirts and sleeves and clothing so that people would not see the bruises. They don't leave because of fear, because of the abuse of a child, questioning the relationship. Um, for some, fear of the unknown is worse than fear of what's in the relationship. Sometimes, you know, I spoke to a woman today, and she said her uh, husband, who she ended up, you know, she said her, her comment was, I can't believe that this is my life, that he said, I'm going to break your face, I'm going to break your neck. And at this point, she had a one-year-old and a two-year-old. And that is something that, you know, for many women, they don't want to leave because how, could, how can we break up the family? Well, the thing about abuse when it comes to children is that often the children, the emotional part, the children, when they're saying that, you know, if the you know, domestic violence is present, probably won't be affected emotionally unless the violence is targeted at them, that's false. Because if a child is watching their their, one of their parents being beaten up, that is, how can that help but imprint? And the thing that, you know, this, this woman who I spoke with earlier today, she said that what happened is she had a one-year-old and a two-year-old, and she had her one-year-old on, you know, her, her, her lap, pardon me, her two-year-old on her lap, and all of a sudden he came in and he was screaming and yelling, and then he did something, and literally she said, when she saw her son, and as her, this was her comment, and he literally had scared the shit out of Brandon, and he was crouching in this little pup tent and shaking, she said, that's when I said, that's it. And I know of other women where they were putting up with it, putting up with it, and then when the abuse started to go towards their children, that was it. They, I am out of here. Now, when people are dealing with this, how can you possibly step in and, and do something? What you can let them know is that they are not alone, okay? That when they are saying something is happening uh, or something is not happening, you can very gently say, I'm, you know, this is not, there's no judgment on my part here. Because many times they have been so conditioned to fear being judged or having something directed towards them that they won't do anything. 
And that's often why women won't go to, you know, call some up and say, I need to go somewhere. They don't want to disrupt their entire family. They don't want, you know, the, the embarrassment. And, you know, it, it, domestic abuse, verbal abuse, mental abuse, it occurs at all socioeconomic groups. I remember one woman when I was growing up, it's one of the wealthier families in the city, and her daughter had gotten married, and the they'd only been married a very short period of time, and she came and said, you know, he's being abusive, and, you know, the mother honestly said, oh, if that's all, you don't have much to worry about. I mean, talk about a brain grenade. I mean, are you freaking kidding me, honey? I mean... Where does your common sense gene lie? Or were you born without one? And she did, you know, a divorce, you know, this creature. Um, and here's the thing. How do you know if someone is going to be like that? Chances are you don't initially. They can be very charming. They can be very lovely. They can be... But what you need to do is start paying attention to the patterns of behavior. And thinking that, you know, this type of stuff affects, you know, a small percentage of the population, no. And, you know, it's domestic and sexual violence affects a large percentage of the population, cutting across all racial, ethnic, and socioeconomic boundaries. According to statistics, one in three women is a victim of domestic violence, and one in three girls and one in six boys are victims of sexual abuse before they reach the age of 18. Now, isn't that scary? This is, you know, thinking, and, and here's the other thing that happens. Remember I talked about my friend, Corey um, Silverberg, and his book, let me find it, let me find it, where are you? Come on, come on, wherever you are. Um, sex is a funny word. In there, there is a segment on silence and how people will use silence as a way to control children when they are abusing them. So if someone has said, oh, you know, you can't talk about that or that's only between you and me, um, be very leery. And this book, by the way, Sex is a Funny Word, again, Corey Silverberg. Oh, there it is. I just saw it on the other side of the desk. It is, it literally speaks to that specific um, issue. Let me look, look here and tell you what the chapter is called. It, it is called Secret Touching. Secret Touching is that where the person uh, basically tells the child, um, if you do this, something else will happen to somebody else. Um, so uh, when I come back, I'm going to give you a few other suggestions and ideas and this is part therapy for me, and I hope that it is also being enlightening for you because this is something that it can crop up anywhere. Stay with me. I'll be back after this break. This is sad. 
Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. This is TogiNet, cutting-edge radio. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. When you lift weights, you want to attain significant results. Remind yourself to slow it down. A common exercise mistake is to rush through your strength training exercises. When you zip through your routine, you will end up using momentum instead of muscle power, and you will not achieve the results you are after. By zipping through your weightlifting, you are also at risk of getting an injury, whether it is torn connective tissue or muscles. Shape Magazine recommends that you take six seconds to perform each repetition, two seconds to lift the weight, and four seconds to lower it. Since you have gravity to help you lower the weight, you need to slow down even more in order to give your muscles a sufficient challenge. Slow it down and see your results speed up. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. And as I had spoken about before, my friend Christy Paul's book, Love Isn't Supposed to Hurt, there's also a couple of other books that are there. And interestingly enough, one of them is also a book that I really like, and I was it was recommended to me by a friend of mine who had lost her husband. It's called Necessary Endings, and it's by Dr. Henry Cloud. So, again, Christy's book is um, Love Isn't Supposed to Hurt, and, you know, it's there's different ways that people can cope with this and the how you can be helpful for someone going through this. Now, one of the things that people think is, oh, well, I can, you know, call the police for that person. No, no maybe not. And here's why. Unless it is the person who is experiencing this type of abuse, whether it's, you know, the, the physical abuse particularly, you... The, the police can't do anything. When it came to stalking of two of my friends, the one friend who ended up moving, you know, from uh, Illinois over to Los Angeles, you know, this is, you know, a she, the law enforcement said, well, we really can't do anything until they do something. Really? What happened to your ability to see into the future? You only look in the taillights? I mean, what in heaven's name? And then another friend of mine here who had someone who started stalking her to the point they were broke into her home. She and her sister had a, uh, a house. They broke into her house, and he literally urinated all over her bed, all over the things in her room. And they literally had to move out of their house because of this guy. And again, what the... You know, what the officer said is, yeah, I, I totally concur with you, Karina, that what the officer said is that until he does something, we can't do anything. 
what the, really, wake up and have a coffee, kids. So, you know, the, the law enforcement, what we ended up having to do was to file a missing persons report in order to see if we could track her down because she went missing as a result of this person that she'd become involved with. And this is, you know, so here's what we realized is that we could be, you, here's, and I'm going to read this from, uh, it's called uh, Domestic Abuse Shelter, and it's created in, for, uh, in Florida. But these are some of their counseling strategies with victims of domestic violence, you know, whether that's mental or physical. Ask about the violence and the emotional coercion. And many times, because these people are isolated and kept apart from people who would see exactly what was going on, they are literally, like they are mentally, it's almost like twigged. Now, the other thing that can really get in the way of this is if, indeed, alcohol and drugs are also involved. And, you know, alcohol and other drug abuse cause violent behavior. They take the, you know, the, uh, the breaks off what some people may do, but the other thing, you know, they, although alcohol and drugs are present in about 50% of abuse cases, they are never just the cause of the violence. It's the insatiable need for power and control that is the cause for the violence or the cause for the abuse. And that's what's happening in the situation in my family, is that there are things being used that are basically causing the person to not even be you know, from a behavioral standpoint, who they, or, you know, who we've known them to be their entire lives. So support this person and telling them again and again and acknowledge that there's courage in sharing this and telling someone. Letting them know they're not alone. That's been one of our, you know, biggest things is you're not alone. This is... You know, there's, and this happens all over the world. You know, I mean, we have statistics. You know, it's a problem in every country in the world. And the statistics are staggering that, you know, World Health Organization says that in every country where reliable large-scale studies have been conducted, results indicate that between 10 and 50% of women report they have been physically abused by an intimate partner in their lifetime. That's from the World Health Organization. That's staggering. And... You know, whether it's, you know, women are supposed to just put up with this, no. Is it because from an economic standpoint? No, because I'll tell you right now, that's shifting and changing as well. So letting this person know. So the conversations I've been having have been along the lines of, hey, what about this thing that you really enjoyed doing? What about this that you were studying? What about this that, you know, I see you being around, um, uh, a bunch of little goats because they had studied uh, cheese making and this would be something that, you know, and goat cheese is, is an area of really, you know, phenomenal, great stuff. And so that was something that, that, that resonated with her. But, again, you have to build on their hopes and dreams and the plans for the future because, again, sometimes they feel there is nothing else for them to go to and they've been programmed by that by the person is that you'll never find anyone who's like me. Uh, yeah, probably right. You're probably, you know, bang on right, bucko. Um, 
nor would they want to find another person like you. But this is like rebuilding that social support network and creating an alternative network that is trustworthy, um, saying, you know, look, these people are there for you. They are absolutely there for you. The last thing they would want to do is have you not feel supported. And stick with it even when you get frustrated because, trust me, this has been a very frustrating thing to go through. Build the, their knowledge of what their knowledge of options are and be an advocate for them. So say, you know, I'll talk to so-and-so if you want or I'll talk to so-and-so if you want. And if they want to be on the phone with you to make sure that everything's being said the way that, you know, you know they want, then, you know, great. So be that. But the important thing is, is they know that they're not alone. And then provide concrete assistance. So you want to take an active concern and help them plan for their next steps or for their safety. I remember when I was um, volunteering at a shelter for women who had, that were there with their children, and I said before that the things they put into place in order to keep these women safe was, like, amazing. Um, no one would know where they were. They had two to three different uh, safety things put in place so that, you know, their abuser could not get through or get into where they were. They were being, uh, they had a place for their children. They had a place that they were learning about their, you know, uh, a career, something that they could do. But it's also... You know, if that is something where you're dealing with, with someone, you really need to know that, that there are things that you can do and one of them can be a great listener because they may not have had anyone to be able to talk to. So, and respect their choices because this is the person, they're the only person who will live with the consequences. Even, and you're not in charge of the decisions, they are. But this is about then putting them back into the control position, if that makes sense for you, because so much of their control had been taken away. And you can collaborate with other services that, you know, can also help them. So, you know, whether this is a um, an attorney for something for children or uh, an accountant or a bookkeeper or someone that you can actually help them. So, you know, there are things that if someone is going through this, that you can be a person who you can step up to the plate and they're not alone. They do have someone who is there for them. And for us, we were in, this was such a complete um, out of left field behavior for this person in our family that we were left just going like, what? And then when the things started coming back, that it was the, the, the mistruth, the lies, the deception, that one would be told one thing, one sister to be told another thing. And this was not how this person behaved. They didn't. They never did. So we're coming down to, you know, this the person that I spoke with, earlier today, and she said that, you know, she realized that, you know, when she said, what am I bringing in? She said, no, that's what I'm, I'm getting away from. And 
she said very quickly she realized that it was the erosion of her self-esteem was the thing that was one of the toughest. And she wasn't a victim, but she said, ah, that's it, you know, I'm, I'm out of here. Another friend of mine, her mother got out of a very abusive relationship, had three daughters. Uh, this friend of mine, um, her name is Rhonda Britton, and Rhonda writes about this. And Rhonda, as a result of going through this, she literally created her uh, body of information about fear and being fearless in your life. And what happened is her mother uh, was divorcing her father, had divorced her father, and on Mother's Day, he came over to the house to take her supposedly for lunch or see her. Or So the three girls and the, the mother were going to be going for brunch with the uh, father, and Rhonda goes out, and Rhonda was also, her father was very violent. Um, at points, he had choked Rhonda into, sub, you know, into unconsciousness and saying, you know, you know I'm, I'm going to kill you. And the result was that for, you know, Rhonda, I mean, she's, whoa, you know, to say that that emotionally impacted her was an understatement. But the end result is her father arrived over and uh, asked her mother to come out. Her mother went out, got walked out to the car. His, his, her father opened the door. Her mother got sat in the seat, and her father walked to the trunk, took out a gun, shot her mother to death, and then shot himself and literally blew his head off, and his brains and things were all over Rhonda. And Rhonda thought, you know, she was next and that, you know, he was going to shoot her. And interestingly enough, you know, we talk about how you can be there and all three of us or all of us will see things differently. Her sisters were both there, but of the three girls, all three of them have a completely different perception of what happened that day. And what it did for Rhonda is it sent her into a spiral of self-abuse, of alcohol, of attempting suicide, until finally... One day it was like, that's it. I'm no longer going to. This is not going to. Fear is not going to run my life. So when we come back, I'll be talking more about that. Please stay with me, and I'll give you some more solutions. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. Familia, faith, identity, tradición. Latina life is never boring, but it can be muy dramática. So how do you coexist between the old school ways of la abuela and the new school life you're creating for yourself without losing your faith, familia, identity, or tradiciones? Welcome to Living Latina with Francesca Escoto, where culture curls and curves collide in one spicy cross-cultural conversation that will leave you begging for mas. 
Francesca tackles all the important issues from politics to family values to religion to, you guessed it, relationships and men. As chief everything officer at the Wow Factor, Francesca is passionate about showing women of all cultures, ages, and lifestyles how to rock what they've got with style, sass, and smarts. Be sure to join her every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for Living Latina only on the Woohoo Radio Network. The Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. If you are working toward losing weight, or if you want to maintain your current weight, be sure that you're not drinking your daily calories. Researchers have found that most of us get 20% of our daily calories from what we drink. Many times, we're not even aware of how many calories we're consuming by drinking. A popular fast food restaurant sells chocolate milkshakes that are a whopping 1,000 calories. A large white chocolate blended cream frappuccino has 630 calories, and that is without whipped cream on top. Drinks sweetened by added sugars compared to those naturally sweetened drinks are almost identical in calories, so watch out for fruit juices. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard. This is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone. Now, and I admit this is not exactly the world's most uplifting conversation to have, but I think it's a very honest one to have. And I think it's, as a matter of fact, I know um, I've been very much helped by people who have had something similar happen in their family. And it wasn't until I spoke up and said, this is what's going on, um, as hard as it was because I didn't want my family member to be judged. I didn't, I, I, it was that shame factor thing and the fear of, of the judgment. And when I was sharing before about what was happening with my friend Rhonda Britton, the similar thing is that Rhonda went through all of this and as she said, it was the second, you know, when she, you know, she said, they take very seriously when you say that you're going to commit suicide. And she was in lockdown, and she looked at, okay, what do I need to do to get my life back on track? And she writes about this, and her, you know, she writes about this, lectures about it. She's an Emmy Award winning uh, uh, host of a show. Uh, her, her company is called Fearless Living Institute. And Rhonda is very cut to the chase, and I met her Gosh, years ago, we were in an entrepreneurial seminar together. And she, you know, she says, you know, what are you scared of? What is stopping you from having the life that you want? Are you scared of success, of rejection, of failure? And but that, that is 
her fear and as a result of what happened with her with the domestic abuse and the violence in her family, this is how she turned it into something that could help other people. So knowing that someone else is going through something, you may just be the person who can step in and help them. And, you know, the person this morning was telling me that she finally, you know, the person had broken into her car. And because they, she was living in Hawaii at the time, she was able to say, you know, that would be a felony. She said, look, that's, that's it. You know, you are, um, you do this, you know, stay away from me or I am having the police, at which point there would be a felony on, you know, they would have a felony record. The other thing, when women are pregnant, they are, people think that it would abate or drop off. No. So a pregnancy often exacerbates forms of mental or domestic abuse. And that was the case for this person who had, you know, these two young children. And whether it's the financial strain, whether it is I didn't really want this child, um, but it is something people would think, you know, they'd be, uh, people would be more respectful of a, you know, a pregnant woman. Not necessarily the case. So I also have a book here entitled The Fear Cure. And this is by Lissa Rankin, L-I-S-S-A Rankin, M-D. And one of the things that um, she writes on is, you know, cultivating courage as medicine for the body, mind, and soul. And one of the things that Lissa did is she always thought that, you know, she was going to be a physician, which she became, and then all of a sudden, all of the things that were happening to her in her life as a physician, the hours she was at OBGYN, she was exhausted, she was, she herself was getting sick, and so she withdrew, you know, she stopped being a practicing physician and went back to where she, what she loved to do. But the big thing that often stops anyone moving forward is fear. Fear they're going to get judged. Fear they're going to do it wrong. Fear that no one will believe them. And if there's a way that you can be that person that interrupts someone who might have that feeling, kudos to you, seriously. And in her book, The Fear Cure, I'm just, you know, just been flipping through it, is, you know, if you are in a relationship or know someone who's not in a relationship that is bringing out the best in them or is taking the best care of them, you can let them know. Now, I do realize that, you know, we have a, you do have kind of like a, a thin line that, that happens there where the, I had a friend of mine who was with an individual, uh, just not a nice person really not a nice person. And she asked, and I told her very honestly, listen, I don't think you are, you know, he is the best person for you. However, her fear, again, let's go back to fear, her fear was that she would never be married and have children. Now, she had the money, she had the job, she had the house. What she did not have was sperm. And what she also needed to have was a ring, because that was her religious upbringing. She needed to be married to have children. So literally, she married a Lothar sperm donor. And 
that's, you know, me being judgmental and I, you know, stand outside of yourself, Lou, and don't be like that. But he was just not, he's just not a nice person. And yet her fear was, I won't, I don't want to go through this life not having children. So these are the things. And so needless to say, um, we are no longer, you know, the close friends that we were. And we had been like close best friends for 10 years. And that ended. There wasn't more that, you know, that I could do about that. In the situation that we are in right now, we are just trying to put as many things into place to let our family member know they are loved, they are cared for, that even though this person has them isolated at this point, actually in another country, that she can get someone to, you know, there will be people there, the people will step up, and it's almost like when someone comes, any anytime someone comes out of something where it's traumatic brain or PTSD, we don't know what the thought patterns are that are going on inside, but we do know that they're not behaving the way that we knew them to behave. And we can have a number of different things, you know, we can, again, be that listener. You can, you know, like a daily contact, something that, because the person who is keeping them isolated and is abusing them is doing everything they can to keep them as isolated as possible. And the other thing is being without the emotion involved in it, talking to others who may know what's going on and saying, look, this is the information as I was just given it. And these are the things that I just got told. This is the stuff that I have been, you know, given the information about. For the woman whose, you know, husband, when he slammed her to the ground and she said, that's it. Finally, because their businesses were connected, their... Um, and he was wanting to control all of her businesses. Finally, it was when she said, and she was getting information and help from her father who knew everything about it, you know, and had suggested, try this, try this. That was her tipping point. And when seeing her, you know, her son just cowering and, you know, being terrified out of his mind, poor little guy, she said, I will not put my children through this. I did not have them to have them go through this. But what it also was is she said, this is, you know, my life is better than this. I, I do not need to have this. And she said this would be one of those things that would be like, you know, that crime of passion where someone goes after somebody and says, you know, you are, you know, uh, you made me do it. Uh, au contraire, my little love bug. No, they did not. This is someone else has done this and you are merely... No one can tell you that you did this. Mm -mm. They did it. So just remember, you know, some of the reasons people, you know, have this happen is why women stay is they stay because of fear, because of children, promises of reform, guilt. The woman may think that she did it or, you know, because this, that's what's being told to this person is, you know, you have been, you know, so disrespectful and you caused all of this and that's why, you know, this is happening wrong. Lack of self-esteem, the love thing, sex role conditioning, the societal acceptance and reinforcement that it's okay to do this, 
economic dependence, the religious belief, cultural stigma of the broken home, satisfaction with relationship between the incidents. But really, what it boils down to is that you can be someone who steps in and helps someone. You can be that person who is the support, who can notice something. Um, and one of the strategies I've found that is very helpful is not to say things against the, pers- the other person, is to focus on your person, your friend. Not say, who is this asshole? Why are you still with him? That's not because what will happen often, this is why police know that going to domestic abuse situations, the person who's being abused often ends up, you know, attacking the cops as well. So just saying, look, I want to help you, I want to be there for you, so that women don't end up having to do, on average, seven times before they leave the situation. So although this has not been an uplifting uh, show, it, I hope, well, it may be uplifting. I hope that it has been enlightening, and I hope that it's opened someone's eyes and their ears to this is not okay. It's so much more common than people know. And what it really takes is people standing up and having a voice and saying, no, it's not okay. I'm here to help you. I'm here to support you. And I want to help put you back into the power position and control. And if we can do that, we can do a lot more to reduce the incidence of this and spot it before it starts. You can never know when someone's going to be like this. I trust you have a fabulous rest of the week, and I will talk with you next week. Bye for now. Check me out on Facebook. for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget. 